The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. What the bleep is this? And now it's time for FinCast. Boom shakalaka. Wide receiver and fan favorite Brian Finneran is talking Dirty Bird football. Powered by Scana Energy, the official natural gas partner of the Atlanta Falcons. Looking for Finneran who leaps into the air, a touchdown. FinCast starts now. All right, you are tuned into FinCast, and no catchy intro now because it was not a great weekend in Atlanta. The Hawks, the Falcons, and the Dogs all go down. Uh, alongside the great Brian Finner and BFIN86, I'm Tyler Nelson, and you are listening to FinCast, brought to you by Scana Energy, the official natural gas partner of the Atlanta Falcons. But, Finn, that was an ugly loss for the Dogs, and let's, uh, let's lead off with that because I know you, you're not a, like, like a diehard Dogs fan, lifelong Dogs fan like I am, and that was not... No, um, I've adopted him like yeah, a, like a yeah. child, so I still like him and, and root for him to be successful. Uh, and when you watch something like that take place, it, it, it still hurts a little bit because you want your city and the teams that you right. root for locally to be good. And I and I feel for the D- Georgia Bulldog fans because they were so confident going into this game because of what they did in the regular season, and they should have been. But they also should have realized you're playing Alabama, you're playing four and five stars across the board. The guy coaching the other side is a better coach than your coach and any coach really in Ever college been. football. Yeah, yeah. And it makes all the difference in the world. And we just they just kept talking about this defense, this defense, this defense. Well, what happens when you get down by two scores? What's the offense going to do that doesn't have a 30-catch wide receiver or a go-to wide receiver you can count on? Yep. That's what they got stuck with. Now, it was unfortunate. And, and Stetson Bennett had two interceptions. One, One kind of scramble throwaway got picked off. The pick six was a was a backbreaker. Yeah, sure was late in the game, and he should have had another pick six in the first drive of the game when the yeah. safety um, kind of fooled him and, and sat in the middle of the field and, sh- and just dropped, dropped an interception. It. So I don't know. I, I just don't know if they can win at all. It. And and so this is what I said at the end. Of you asked. We finished FinCast last week, mm-hmm. but you asked me what I thought, and I said to you, "There's got to be a reason." However, non tangible they are. There's a reason that only one of, of Nick's Nick Saban's one of Nick, only one of Nick Saban's former assistant coaches has ever beaten him, and yep. and that's what I saw. Like as the broader picture, the thousand foot view, what I saw throughout that game and at the end of the game, the final picture was Nick knows how to play people, and w- when Kirby goes for it on fourth and nine, it, that just says to everybody watching the game at home, on the field, on both sidelines, to all the coaches. Desperation. No question. Desperation too early. Panic. Panic. And um, when you have an opportunity to do that and get points on the board, even when you're down. Exactly. Just get it, get it back to 11, you know? Yeah. Was it 31-17 at the time? You kicked the field goal. It's 4th and 10. When has Stetson Bennett ever completed a 4th and 10? I know. Ever. It, 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 never, if, the if answer is never it, because he hasn't had to because you've murdered every team you played exactly. so far this season because the SEC East was terrible. And I say terrible, I mean terrible. Terrible. And I know they gave Bama a run. Tennessee gave him a little run. Florida gave him a little run. Arkansas, even. Yeah, I mean, um, 
So the fact that Auburn in the West played them so tight the week before, mm-hmm. it had people thinking, oh, my God, if Auburn gets seven sacks and, exactly. dis- and keep them scoreless for however long and take them to trip quadruple overtime, Georgia's going to kill them. You can't do that in football. It's always a week-to-week situation. The transitive property doesn't work. It does not, unfortunately. And, and you know, the thing is, the, the, the intangibles of the game that I, that I think really factor in that any armchair quarterback could have probably guessed is because Auburn did that to Alabama and, and almost won, because everybody was favoring Georgia so heavily, mm-hmm. because Alabama was the underdog, I think they came in feeling like they had something to prove. Oh. They came in with their hackles up in Georgia. I, no that, question. The one thing, I, the one play that I knew we were in trouble is not just the, the that first touchdown, not the touchdown, but it's ten that, nothing. You could see jo- you could see Jordan Davis, and I know this is a podcast, so you can't see the, the motion I'm making, but like kind of like patty caking, right? Hit the guys, and I know he's not a pass rusher, but still, dude, anybody who's on the defensive line is a pass rusher bingo. on a pass play. It, but that's what people think. Well, he didn't move his who feet. Cares? He was happy to just stand there. He was there. just standing. Standing. You can't have you can't be in a game like that and take a playoff, and that's what he did on that play. He yeah. absolutely did. So I don't think Georgia can win a national title with Stetson Bennett as their quarterback. I agree. I hope they do if he continues to be quarterback. God, I hope they win a title. That'd be the greatest thing ever. But my opinion is they are incapable of doing it with him at quarterback. Well, somebody in the locker room said on your show, the locker room, Monday through Friday, six to ten AM. when Kirby put Stetson in, it was the right call for the time. You, JT was hurt. Right, he was and hurt. And sticking with Stetson was the right call because you didn't have major wide receivers as a factor for your offense. Plus, your schedule's weak enough, you didn't really mm-hmm. have to make sharp, crisp downfield passes too much. You could you let the run game dictate your season. Now, that ain't the case, mm-hmm. and this is Kirby's problem. He's just too bullheaded, and it's like, well, it's kind of what we've always done, so that's what we're sticking with. And that's never led to su- the ultimate success for him. Think about um, and we'll move on to the Falcons' unfortunate loss, which oh, we yeah. knew was coming anyway in just a yeah. second. Georgia, the two weeks prior to playing Alabama, mm-hmm. Georgia Tech, who's got awful this year, unfortunately. They beat them 45 nothing, so it wasn't even a, t- a chore or right. a test. And then before that, you play a cupcake in um, 1AA F- FCS Charleston Southern, and you beat them 56-7. So you're n- you weren't tested down the stretch. Tennessee gave you a little something early. And you had to battle a little bit a month ago. But your last two weeks of football, you Cup barely had to think about playing football. You right. didn't have coaching decisions to make. You didn't have third and nines two minutes ago at any point to, to make a play. Stetson wasn't pressured at all. You're not going – it's just it almost like it's set up for Alabama to do what they did. And I don't know if you heard it afterwards, but Nick Saban said that rat poison that the media was spitting at him this year, this last week was yummy. Yes, I did hear that. Which and is that's, great. But that's exactly, exactly what I was talking about. board the, material. They, that team they used it. came ready to play. Even if they're not the better team on, on paper or whatever, that team came ready to play. Georgia didn't. The good news is uh, you got you can hopefully take care of Michigan, which is not going to be an easy task. Nope. But you got to beat Michigan, and mm-hmm. then you get another shot, you would assume, at Alabama if they take care of Cincinnati. So you're still everything's right there in front of you. Unfortunately, you didn't win the SEC SEC title, uh, but now you got the bigger thing in front of you, and that's a, and that's a national title. Yep, and uh, I like you said, I hope to God they do, but I just don't think Kirby is uh, flexible enough to make the calls that he needs to do, and, and maybe even change out quarterback. But this is a Falcons podcast, after all. So let's get on to the Falcons' thirty seventeen loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which my I will lead with my positive, and not just the Marlins. Okay. And, and, that looked like a better Falcons team than the Falcons team that played the Buccaneers earlier in the season. I would agree with that. They've gotten better throughout the course of the year. It was um, 
20 to 17 at halftime. Uh, Marlon mm-hmm. Davidson with a nice interception. Beautiful. And awesome. Beautiful it, was just, pick. it was such a cocky bullshit thing that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did because there's 30 seconds left in the half. Uh, they try a little like dump screen pass and they get like one yard. At that point, they should literally take a knee or run the ball. Yeah. Well, they think they're going to try it again. They're backed up on their 10 yard line and they try to throw it again. And it's that cocky, um, arrogant confidence that they had in themselves. Yeah. Because the Falcons' defense was not looking great. Right. And offense for that matter. So it's 20 to 10 at that time. Marlon Davidson reads the screen coming intercepts the football and takes it back for a 10-yard touchdown, whatever it was. And now it's 2017, and now you feel like you got a little momentum. Yeah. you got the ball coming out of halftime, and you're rocking and rolling. But and then a few other things fell through, but we'll get to those. But I thought it just – there was one camera angle that showed – and this this it's the kind of stuff that they should be teaching on Football 101 that coaches in every locker room across America should be showing their – Marlon Davidson had his eyes on Tom Brady. Yep. He, was, he was watching him, and he was shifting right horizontally – Mm-hmm. And moving towards the screen pass towards uh, Fournette, Fournette on, out on the side. Oh, you read it and, perfectly. And he had his eyes on the ball before Fournette even turned around. One arm grab, reach in, and mm. it was just beautiful really football. Athletic, smart, headsy play. Re- yes, exactly. By Marlon. Uh, you know, and another oh, another positive. Uh, scored Daryl Patterson, who didn't score this weekend, mm-hmm. crossed a thousand yards uh, total offense in total offense for the first time in his career. Yeah, he's yeah. been really good. He, he just loves the game of football. I love players like Patterson. He's done a great job all season long. I didn't expect him to win. We talked about it last week on, on, on the podcast here. They're just too good of a team, and our talent level for the Falcons right now is nowhere near it. Right. I don't know if you saw the tweet today or yesterday from Kurt Warner. No, I didn't. I'll didn't. pull it up for you right here. Kurt Warner says, Few quarterbacks frustrate me more than watching film than Matt Ryan. He makes so many big-time throws but equally as many confusing reads and decisions, exclamation point three times over. I have no idea what to make of it. I'm not sure it's possible, but it's every week, question mark, question mark, question mark. And a lot of people Chimed clap in. back at him, which is fair. So he's going to put out a video this week sometime, and we'll address it next week, I guess, in the podcast. But you just have to be careful putting stuff like that out there. I don't know if it's clickbait but, but or what. But let me ask you this. Do you disagree with that? Because yes. Okay. Yes. You as can't the, say equally he makes so many big throws and equally as many confusing reads and decisions. Equally? Not equally, no. Not even close. Not now every once in a while Matt may do that. But guess what's happened to Matt? He's got a center that he thinks is center, and then another center comes in <laughs> to play center. You got a left guard that's young, not even supposed to be playing guard. He played last year in college at Michigan right. at tackle. You got a whole lot of stuff going on in front. You got no number one receiver. You got a rookie tight end that's still feeling out the whole the whole entire thing and gonna get better. And your running game is garbage. And he's got people in his lap. He's got hit 11 times yeah. against the Bucks, sacked yeah. five times, pressured more than that. Hit the most of any quarterback in the NFL. 92 this times or something. Yep. It's just mm-hmm. crazy. So I'm sure he saw something that's a head-scratching for Kurt Warner. But I, but it's yes, just... Yes, the use of the word equally is is incorrect. Uh, over the top. Yeah, it, that's that's erroneous. Bother me. I, but I do, as just the person watching yeah. the game, not someone who does a podcast that has to talk about it every week. On, but there are these ones where you're like, what? what? Oh, man, come on. Mm-hmm. Like... The one pick that he threw was not a great pass, and the no. guy was sitting there. He was camped waiting for yeah, it. Uh, there's decisions throughout the course of ball games that quarterbacks wish they had back. Yes. Um, Matt, I think, has one touchdown and four or five picks in the last three or four weeks. It's Ooh, really, yeah. really frustrating Yeah. for us, but more so for him. More so for Matt. Guy just getting beat up and hammered back in the pocket, and I don't know how much more he can take. you got a great opportunity moving forward. you got Carolina this week. I think, um, is it... 
New Orleans and no, it's Carolina, San Fran, and Detroit. I think coming up. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, I may be I think off that's the one order, there. Yes. Um, and you have an opportunity to win those games. Those are teams you can beat, and yep. hopefully you will moving forward. I, I and they're five and seven. They're stuck with like four other teams just outside the playoff uh, ring right there. So we'll see what they do. When do we play? We play Buffalo in uh, Buffalo on New yeah, Year's so Day. So that was don't right. We? Panthers, 49ers, Lions. Uh, week 16, December 26th, day after Christmas, at Buffalo on January 2nd, which is going to be ridiculous. That weather up there <laughs> I know, in New England, and <laughs> Buffalo is crazy. And then the Saints to finish off the season. I don't have much optimism for the Buffalo game, but uh, the rest of those are very winnable games. Yeah. No, uh, no, no. No question. Um, so, so if we go 3-1 and four down, three and one down the stretch. We have five games left, so 4-1 and one or 3-2. and two, You probably had to go 4-1. and one. We have five games. Yeah. So. That puts you at 9-8. and eight. That gives you a chance. And it's doable. It's doable. It's doable. But 49ers, the way they're running the football and getting down people's throat, it'll be, it'll be tough. Um, okay, so I not to get too ahead of ourselves on, on this one, but uh, not, <laughs> not to say who do you think it. I did look at some mock drafts. So hold on. Mm-hmm. I, hold on bear with me here. I, right. It's a little early. So I'm, I'm not saying, hey, let's tank whatever. Every single one I looked at, I'm, I more looked at it as an interest of. Position? Yes. All right. That exactly. Um, every single one I looked at had us at number drafting a number eight. Oh, that's all right. That's probably too. Not uh, probably going to be. Go ahead. The re, I, I'm I, only, 10 I to only saw yeah. one that had us taking a quarterback. It had us taking Matt Corral at number eight from out of Ole Miss. Interesting. That is interesting. I don't think Matt Corral is there at number eight. Um, I, I and I agree with the ones the, the majority of the ones I saw that he's probably going number three to the Texans. Oh my goodness. <laughs> The two that kept coming up the most were Kyle Hamilton, safety out of Notre Dame, yep. and Derek Stingley Jr., cornerback, cornerback out of LSU. So Think about what we have. We have no run game. We need a running back. Correct. We have no number one wide receiver since Calvin really checked out. Correct. And we need those guys. I don't think you can spend any more cap, draft capital on, on, the, on the line. I don't have a problem with the defensive side of the ball. We need a safety for sure. Yeah, and, and, and agreed. But that's what I, the one thing I was going to – Say too is that it occurred to me it was like yeah those are positions of need. We have AJ Terrell who's had a great season mm-hmm. so far. So you would put uh, Derek Stingley Jr. on the other side of the field, I guess. Sign me up. Okay, but we need <laughs> defensive end, we, running defensive back, defensive end, big time. Uh, I don't know that there is an option that will still be there at, worth taking mm, a more draft number know. number eight. No, I don't think but, so. Um, the one that I saw for wide receiver had us taking number eight was Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. What do you think? Dynamic, solid receiver. A lot of Christian Olave or Chris Olave is another guy out of Ohio. Ohio State has three badass receivers uh-huh. that can flat out play. I don't know. I, you're going to need a receiver, especially with what yes. happened with Calvin. Yeah, who he traded Julio away. Calvin checked out with the personal issues that he has, and um, now you're left with Russell Gage and uh, Zacchaeus and. Whoever else, Tajay Sharp. So who are all very serviceable twos and threes. They're not a number no. one. Yeah, and, not and even, you can't not even rely close. on your on your tight end, yeah. uh, your number one draft pick tight end, to be a true number one wide no. receiver. And that's operating on the assumption that Calvin Ridley is just never coming back, which I think at this point is a real possibility. It certainly feels like it. Uh, so yeah, wide receiver. I'm with you. I think that that's the best place to go in the in the draft at the beginning of it uh, next year. But I did see one that had us taking Georgia wide receiver George Pickens at number fifty nine. No thanks. At number fifty nine, yeah, number oh, fifty nine, right. yeah, not oh. number one, no, right, no, no, yeah. not, not, not in the first round. I could, I could deal with that. Yeah, yeah, to get that medical clearance and that yes. ACL, would be good. I'd be fine with that too. Um, so I know you, there's something you wanted to get to at uh, to close out, but there's let's let's go ahead and, and inject some positivity with Finn's Ring of Honor. This is the one ring. Finn's Ring of Honor. My precious. 
Okay, Finn, we're sticking with coaches right now? Absolutely. We're on the coach train, and uh, I don't know, last week with Dan Reeves. This week will be Mike Smith, one of my favorite coaches of all time. Brought in a great staff and some of my best friends, and Mike Malarkey and Terry Rabisky as my receiver coach. Mike Malarkey is the offensive coordinator. But Mike Smith did a great job controlling our defense, managing right. the team the way they're supposed to, and letting the offensive coaches do their thing. He was the first coach in Falcons history in a 50-year span to have back-to-back winning seasons. Jesus, that's Not only that, isn't that crazy? I know. And I remember when that happened, just thinking, like, how is that even possible? Mathematically possible. Insane. So not only that, he went back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back winning seasons. Five straight years, four playoff runs. It was awesome to be a part of the first three years with Mike Smith. He was 11-5. and five. We lose in the wild-card game in Arizona. 9-7, and seven, missed the playoffs. And then 13-3, and three, the number one seed in my last season in 2010, we lose to Green Bay in the in the um, Georgia Dome. Yep. Um, but Mike Smith was great. Still friends to this day. Loves playing golf. Lives up in um, Eastern uh, Tennessee uh, oh, with, really? his, with his wife. He's got a daughter that's finishing up um, college soon. He's got a couple of golf courses and memberships up there he enjoys. <laughs> uh, he's just salt of the earth. Old school. Played yeah. football. Played linebacker back in the day in college. Uh, been on some really good staffs. But I just... When I when I develop a relationship like I did with Mike Smith, um, and he wasn't always great in in front of the microphone and in front right. of the media, but that's but he did a great job. He really at, did the, the discipline, the culture that we had in our building to win five straight years in a row after that nonsense that we did for fifty plus years before yeah. that. It was amazing. So the discipline, the culture, the way we practiced, the way we conducted ourselves was awesome. And um, Mike Smith will be the next inductee into Finn's Ring of Honor. Well, Mike Smith, very deserving, maybe even the most deserving in, in on-paper sense. And, and like you said, uh, had a great career, uh, finished up at Tampa Bay, but a defensive-minded guy. He really seemed like a delegator. And, again, this is just from the watching yeah, out, he outsider he, point of view. He mm-hmm. seemed like, like you said, let the offensive team, because right. he's a defensive specialist. Absolutely. I, I just hate that it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that the end of the Mike Smith era came to oversimplify it because of too much trusting of TD. Uh, I would agree. Too, mu- too much letting TD make decisions that he should Listen, should've... everybody has their fingers in this thing. Right. But you go five straight winning seasons, then you go four and 12 and six and 10. You gave away a bunch of draft capital to get Julio Jones. Yeah. It really affected you the next two years in your drafts because you not only had less draft picks, but you missed on a bunch of draft picks right. that you can't miss on. And I'm right. talking O-line and D-line. And when you do that, your your team gets worse. The special teams gets worse because your starters should be special teams players and now they're, your starters aren't there anymore. They're not either no good or you, the guys you drafted to be starters aren't good enough, but they're still your starters. Right. But they should be special team players. Right. They should be backups, and they're not. And now you're trying to win with guys that shouldn't be on the field. Uh, no offense to those guys. I was you guys at one point, and uh, <laughs> it's not a good feeling. No, I remember in that the season of Hard Knocks, that's all the, all the guys that were featured were guys who were – actually getting time on the oh, field. Yeah. They should have been yeah. gunners on Tyler kickoff. Tyler Starr. Yeah, Tyler Starr's the one oh, I always think God. of. Crazy. The seventh-round draft pick. He started had... linebackers named Joplu Jop Bartu, Bartu. yeah. And Paul Worlow, who was a try-hard guy from Delaware. He was a great try-hard guy, but he, wasn't he even an undrafted free agent? I think so, yeah. Golly. Should not have been starting. Nope, should not have been. But I'm glad he, 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 he tried hard. He well, did a good job. Mike Smith, uh, great and very deserving inductee into Finn's Ring of Honor. All right, well, let's finish this out, Finn, with the thing I know you wanted to talk about that you had a personal connection with. Yeah, it was interesting. It's not a good personal connection. It's a bad <laughs> memory, and it still hurts to this day. But the Saints the Saints let go of and cut Kenny Stills. Good wide receiver, been around a long time. He had a drop versus the Cowboys that led to an interception and a 27-17 loss. He had zero catches on the day on five targets. Sean Payton, after the game, said this. 
I'll be honest. We got to catch that first interception. So really blame the receiver. Got right. intercepted. So my first game with the Eagles right. in 1999, young first-year player. Late in the game, minute and a half left. It's trips right. I'm on the left side. Andy Reid calls a play really for me to beat the corner. One-on-one, I had a go route. Other options on the left, but I had one-on-one matchup. And Doug Peterson, my quarterback at the time, loved the matchup. And I'm glad he did. He threw me the rock down the field. I killed the corner. He's about a yard and a half behind me, which is killing a guy in the, in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Now, if the ball is in front of me a yard, it's an easy catch and game's over. It's like right on my back hip. So I have to kind of reach back and try to catch it. It bounces off my right forearm as I'm running down the left sideline. At that point, the ball's in the air. I try to grab it. The corner catches up, punches it in the air. Oh. The safety comes over and intercepts it and runs it back into um, our red zone, and they kick the game-winning field goal with no time left I on the clock. I don't think I remember that part of the uh, interception part of that story. Total, total goat, and not in a good way. Yeah, I took it uh, after the game, uh, my first p- press conference at my locker, guys in my face. What happened on that play? I said, I beat the corner. I should have caught the football. It's just what happens sometimes in the NFL. I was cut four weeks later uh, by Andy Reid and company. And in a sense, it was a blessing. You never want to start your career like that, but it was a blessing because you work harder. You try to build that confidence back up that I lost. And um, I sat out for eight weeks. I had workouts with three different teams, and one of those teams was the Falcons. And next thing you know, I spent 11 years in Atlanta I was about to say, you know, as much as I understand why that would still sting today (laughs) for anybody, for most people. My lovely brother Brad, my identical twin, somehow, someway, was looking up first-year coaches' success and, and disappointments and something like that. And one of the guys in this 10-minute YouTube video was Andy Reid, his oh. first year coaching, because he was our head coach, right? First year guy, rookie head coach, and that play came up on the. Oh on my the gosh! And when was this from? Me. That Dick sent it to me. When what? <laughs> when was this YouTube video from? Like recently? Are I don't you, know where he found it, but he like, just sent it to me like four weeks no, like ago. Like how recently was the video? I don't know. Okay. No, it's but, old. It's uh, actually, it has to be old. I'll, what I was going to say is that yes, as, as much as that may sting, if if that doesn't happen. You might not have an 11-year career in the mm. NFL, let alone, I mean, in Atlanta, let alone the NFL, right. right? I mean, say you have two, three decent seasons. That's like the average for a non-marquee wide receiver number one, right? No so, question. So take it with uh, nope, I a got grain it. of salt, I, I guess. It. I get it. We did not feel good at the time. Well, hey, uh, Kenny Stills, we need wide receivers. Why don't you come on over here? Yeah, that's right. We'll take you. <laughs> All right, Finn. Well, uh, here's to hopefully a great game next weekend in uh, Carolina. And, yeah, we need a win. Uh, we need a W. And hey, four and, four and one down the stretch, right? I like it. <laughs> Wishful thinking. All right. Thank you for listening to FinCast. We will catch you next week. Thank you for tuning in to FinCast, brought to you by Scana Energy, the official natural gas partner of the Atlanta Falcons. FinCast is hosted by Brian Finneran, co-hosted and executive produced by Tyler Nelson. If you'd like to reach out to the show, email Tyler at tyler at 68ofthefan.com. FinCast is hosted by 68ofthefan on thepodcastpark.com and is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Opening and closing music by Atlanta band Gringo Star and their song, I Will Not Follow. Thanks for tuning in to FinCast. We'll see you next week.
The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. FDIC. 